When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's the report, old report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report, here on Monday, April Fool's Day from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or really wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437, or if you're brave enough, Leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play whatever you have to say on air, again by calling 929-274-3437. This week, an incredible Elite Eight leaves four left in the NCAA tournament, and unfortunately for me, Duke is dead. We'll break it all down next. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is that a new report? Or we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week of athletics. Literally this time. We do say that to start every show, but we had an elite eight in the NCAA tournament for the ages. Every game seemingly down to the wire. The lowest margin of victory in tournament history. Some teams have their hearts broken, like mine. Some teams have redemption, like UVA. A lot of storylines to get into. Maybe not as exciting storylines in the Final Four itself come next week, but that's fine. We have this weekend to go over. Some games are still, unfortunately, very fresh in our minds. I'm not going to tell you where to start. I'll just toss up this softball to you and kind of let you go on the way. And maybe I'll interject here and there. Oh, my partner, folks, uh, John Tiny Lund is doing this because he is in the throes of depression as his Duke Blue Devils after dodging two huge bullets to get to the Elite Eight fell today. Uh, finally, uh, third time was a charm for the Duke haters uh, as they blow a three-point lead with a minute to go and fall to Little Caesar Tom Spartan, Tom Izzo Spartan's uh, so Duke is finally gone after almost being gone and should have been gone against South Florida, uh, almost overtime against Buzz Williams squad. Uh, what a little missed bunny off an inbounds play would have sent him into overtime. And today, the one game where they were probably the better team uh, for the bulk of the game, they could not finish. But that was just the final game in a tournament that went to the whip after a slow first few days. Uh, really led by uh, a tremendous Tennessee and Purdue Sweet 16 game uh, that I was livid over because I was probably in the minority over a foul call down the stretch with uh, less than two seconds to go after 
a non-reviewed out-of-bounds play where I thought the ball was off of the Purdue star, Edwards, uh, who had a brilliant tournament, but I thought the ball was off his leg. And after all the time we spent on reviews for clocks and three-point shots and hooks and holds, uh, this was just, I don't even know if it was reviewed at all. I think they just reviewed the clock scenario. Uh, but the ball to me is clearly off his leg. They get another chance. And then, I'm sorry, I don't think that's a foul you can call. Uh, it may be a quote-unquote foul, but I'm not calling it. I don't think you can call it. He got a clear, clean look. He got brushed on the way down. So be it. Play on. He makes two. They put him at the line to win the game. He makes two or three overtime. And Purdue prevails. And then what goes around comes around. We have a, a classic, truly, uh, Duke, excuse me, Virginia, and, uh, and Purdue uh, Elite Eight game to go to the Final Four. Uh, Purdue jumps out early. Virginia comes back, takes the lead. Then Edwards brings them back. They take the lead, and they do everything down the stretch exactly as I would have done it. They have the three-point lead uh, after one of two free throws when their shot maker from the Tennessee game misses the second free throw that would have made it a four-point lead. But then they do what I would always, they foul. They foul. Smartly, they foul. With 5.9 seconds to go, Ty Jerome steps to the line and inexplicably, Ty Jerome, Mr. Clutch, after he makes the front end of the one, he one and one, he misses the back end so badly, leaves it so short that it takes kind of a, a, a quick hop deflection, ricochet off the front rim where his guy, the forward, can tap it way back where you think whoever gonna, I mean, if Purdue gets it, the game's over. And even if Virginia does get it, well, they're going to do that deep in the backcourt. And the freshman point guard hauls it in. Probably, um, I didn't measure it. I haven't seen enough replays to see if it was the three-point line extended, but he had to be close to 70 feet from them. Turns, and instead of just racing absentmindedly down the court, panic-stricken and launching a three, Keeps his dribble, two dribbles, head up, finds the same forward with the blonde hair at the elbow. Perfect, no-look pass. Hits him right in the hands. Catch, shot, bang, overtime. You know the rest. Bye-bye, Purdue. Tony Bennett vanquishes last year, and then everything goes Tony Bennett's way. Everything that could possibly happen in the Elite Eight went Tony Bennett's way. Leading up to his game, Gonzaga spits the bit. They get shut down in the second half by Texas Tech in a game that I thought was refereed solely and completely to Texas Tech's advantage. They let him clutch. They let him grab. They let, they let, they let both teams do it. It was, it was rough, fairly, but a game refereed that way kills Gonzaga in a big spot. It slows them down. This is a team that's a high-scoring team, an up-and-down team, and anything that brings them back into the half court and slows them down and equalizes them, so to speak, with the opponent, hurts them. And it did. And kudos to Texas Tech. Uh, they shut them down down the stretch. I thought Gonzaga panicked for the first time in history. Texas Tech is going to the Final Four. And then it falls even better. 
for Tony Bennett today because I think the Washington kid got tired, missed a lot of free throws down the stretch, and Kentucky, who was in, it looked like, deep trouble, comes back, has a chance to win it at the end of regulation, and the ball, some missed free throws by Washington. The ball gets stripped underneath, loose. Auburn with a chance to win it at the gun. They miss, but Auburn cleans up in overtime. Kentucky can't guard their little point guard, who was just way too quick for them. Blows by them continuously, has double digits in overtime. Kentucky goes down. So there is Tony Bennett facing Bruce Pearl, the snake oil salesman himself, himself. First trip to the Final Four for Auburn. First trip to the Final Four for Texas Tech. And Tom Izzo stuns Duke. Bye-bye Zion, who was brilliant today, who did not see the ball enough. Too much of his counterpart. Too much of his wingman. Not enough Zion. Ball had to go to Zion last possession. It did not. He needed to get the ball down low, run it through him. Did not take a shot in the last minute. His last shot was the little... A drive to the lane, through the lane, patrolling on the strong side with his left hand, laid it in for the three-point lead, and then inexplicably Michigan State beats him down the court for a quick bucket. Then a miss by the wingman, the three, back to the wingman, goes to the rack, foul, spits the bit on the first one, intentionally misses the second one because, remember, folks, Duke could not play foul to extend the game because they only had three fouls. With only five seconds to go, you just can't foul anybody enough to give them the bonus. So he intentionally missed, tries to miss the second, back iron, straight down, in. Basically, that's all she wrote. And the biggest disappointment to me, the biggest disappointment, remember the beginning of the season, the know-it-alls, the pundits, the Dukies, everybody. This team could beat an NBA after they blew Kentucky out of the building. Early in the season, this team could beat NBA teams. Beat NBA teams. They barely won any of their tournament games cleanly. They won their first round game, finally, after a little struggle, with ease. And then everything for them was heavy lifting. They should have lost the UCF. They could have lost the Virginia Tech. And they did lose today. They were nothing remotely resembling dominant. They were nothing overpowering. They played nothing like the best team in the country. Yes, they played Tom Izzo's Michigan State team today, the two seed in the region. They played a good Virginia Tech team. They played a UCF team in which their one of their star players had a brilliant game. But they were lucky to get to the Elite Eight. Lucky to get to a, a, a missed tip in at the gun. Got them to the Sweet 16. And then a missed lay-in at the gun, instead of taking them to overtime, got them to the Elite Eight. They played with fire once. They played with fire twice. And today, finally, they got burned. So, Johnny, rank the overall accomplishment of the greatest recruiting class since last year in Duke history. Tell me if this was a successful season. Tell me if it was a decent season. Tell me if it was a mediocre season. Tell me if this season sucked. To me, it's a disappointment. And 
That sounds selfish for the hundreds of thousands of fans who would have loved to have the exact season of this that love college basketball. I understand that. In the age of one and done, though, this is sort of what it's become for Duke, what it's become for Kentucky, not so much for the other Blue Bloods because they do a good job of extending their players, having older players. North Carolina comes to mind with senior leadership, transfers, fifth years. They don't really follow the one-and-done method, though you could argue their best player this year was a freshman, Kobe White. For Duke now, this is who what needs it is. To stay, who, who, may I interject? Who needs to stay in school? Right. I, he is I, not, I'm sorry, he is not ready for the process. I don't think it would Just hurt. Just my opinion. I don't think it would hurt. I, I don't think he will, but I don't think it would hurt. Well, they never do. That's right. It, it's to the point now where it's, it's win or bust, or it's at least get to the national championship, and then maybe we can work around the loss and accept Well, you are bit. a Duke aficionado. You are a Duke encyclopedia. You are a Duke fanatic. Was this year's recruiting class – that much better than last year's recruiting class. On paper, it appeared to be. <laughs> and was last year's recruiting class supposedly his greatest recruiting class of all time? Supposedly. I mean, the last two years are up there as, as the best ever on paper. And we know what happens. Two leaders. Neither, neither team goes to the final four. Exactly. I, I think the disappointment for this year's team is more so that it's this is it it's to the point now where it's literally one and done you have this year to do it and then it's blown up at the end so if you don't win it's over there's no like in the olden days at least for duke of we'll get them next year or i can't wait to see how this group develops in two seasons they came is along more, a lot farther than we thought more they would. Of a, is it more of a disappointment because his name is Zion versus Joe? If it's Joe Williams, is he as iconic as he is if his name is Zion Williams? I don't think how so. How much of it how, is, is part of it the name? Is part of, is part of it the, the, uh, the uniqueness of the handle? Does that have anything to do with it? It's the name, and it's what he was as a player multiplied by how much coverage he got as a player. He became the face of college basketball, like it or not, this season. And Does he have all that if his name everywhere. is Joe? No, I don't think so. I, I if think, it's Joe I think Williams, everything contributed to it. recruit dunker. Beast. Freak of nature. Wide body, jumping jack, something we've never seen before, but his name is Joe Williams, not Williamson, not Zion Williamson. Is it as much of a phenomenon as it turned out to be? I don't think as much. I wouldn't say it's a huge margin, but I think the name, how he carries himself on the floor and off of it, the give everything, the killer's kill mentality that he said after games, wanting to play with his brothers, wanting to get back out on the floor, saying all the right things. When he got hurt, 
not giving any angles of, oh, you know, my future is in the NBA. It was all, I just want to be back on the floor. I want to be with my team. I want to win. And he showed that every game this tournament, as you would see from a team that doesn't have five, well, four star recruits, five star recruits, four guys that are probably going to go to the league. He was playing like a Carson Edwards did for Purdue. Give me the ball. I'm going to lead us to victory. Auburn's Harper to this game that they beat Kentucky. Get the ball in my hands. I'm going to get us to win. That's what Zion was doing this tournament. And for it to come on a Duke team that has the second highest recruit, the fourth highest recruit, etc., that was kind of surprising to see. But in a sense, it was something that Duke needed. They needed him to take over games. And that's the reason why they got to where they did. And you could argue that's the reason why they lost Sunday night against Michigan State. Because as you mentioned, 642 in the game, Zion scores 58-58. He doesn't shoot again until one-something left in the game. As you mentioned, he gets that layup. They go up three. That's it. The last three possessions go, R.J. Barrett, missed shot. The next possession, that R.J. Barrett three-pointer from the parking lot that doesn't graze the rim. The next possession, the play's drawn up. I don't know if this was the call, but it sure seemed like it to get the ball into R.J.'s hands, have him lower his shoulders, drive into the basket, create contact, and go up strong. The problem is he didn't make the shot, and then he had to go to the free throw line where he's not strong. Nobody on the team is strong at the free throw line aside from maybe Trey Jones and Cam Reddish. Zion and R.J., it's a coin flip. It he goes to the line. Like they he were misses. trying to run a similar play to the one that resulted in Cam Reddish's winning three-pointer against Florida State earlier in the season. Uh, he started on the left side. Looked like they were trying to screen for him. Uh, wasn't there. And I'm sure they have obviously have gotten so many different alternates off that. Uh, one of which was the ball in Barrett's hands. And uh, look, I mean, I, I also thought he got a little bit of a break on the call. Um, but there, there was contact. You almost f- kind of forced it. But, you know, I'm balls go. I'm, I'm getting the ball to Zion. Ball, ball is going in Zion's hands. And we'll run everything through him, and I'll trust him to make the right decision. And I, I just, I have to say, from a pure basketball sense, with all the hype that started a couple years ago over the uh, explosiveness and the athleticism and the strength, um, he literally turned out to be in every way, shape, or form as advertised. He played wonderful basketball in all aspects of the game. Uh, as I said earlier tonight, it, it, look, everybody makes mistakes. Seniors make mistakes. Everybody gets caught napping once in a while where you fail to box out or you fall asleep on a cutter or you make a bad decision. You get caught in the air or you miss a free throw, whatever the case may be. But what Zion Williamson showed me from the beginning of the season, now, it can't be an overall great season because he missed too many games. Not his fault. But before and then even much more so after, what I saw was a, a wonderful talent who understands the game, who knows how to play it, 
who has great athleticism, incredible explosiveness, great basketball skills, and for someone with that entire package, has a wonderful basketball sense and knowledge of the right way to play the game. Uh, And I think he showed that time after time throughout the ACC tournament, throughout this tournament, uh, the play he made to get his wingman the three, where he went to the basket, he got cut off on the double team, he swung it back up top, wide open three, puts them ahead, they get the stop, down in the box, the little roll to the hoop on the step through with power, protect the ball, lay it up soft, up three. I honestly thought that was the game. When they went up three, I thought I thought that was the game. I really did. I did not think they were going to allow a three. All right. Lone Wolf Mission goes there, right down, boom, score. Instantly. Beat them down the court. Unforgivable. Um, and again, that's one of the differences between his teams now versus his teams of days gone by. The Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill, Christian Leitner teams, the Thomas Hill teams, um, the teams that sprinted the length of the court after a make, the teams that never got caught with their pants down uh, getting beat down the court. Beat down the court, one-point game. That was the thing about this tournament, is they, they didn't have a game where you were comfortable. The first no, game, yes. That, I mean, that, it's, it's the 16 seed. To me, that's why this is such a disappointment. It's not just that they lost in the Elite Eight, but they could have lost in the second round. They should have lost in the second round. They could have lost in the third round. Right. They did lose in the fourth round. They were nothing remotely resembling the best team in the country this tournament. They were much better in the ACC tournament. And for against this, equal comp- against equal or better competition, right? In this tournament, they didn't play well. I thought ever, right? I don't, and I don't they know what the answer they were, is. They, they were inconsistent. They, you know, they're, 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 they had guys in and out. You know, again, today, Jack White comes in the game. Boom! The nine point lead is gone. They could not survive the Jack White minutes. I'm texting my friends. I go, can they survive the Jack White minutes? The resounding answer was no. Yeah, and I told you the fear of this tournament was, what if Zion gets two fouls in the first half and they have to take him out? Well, it happened. As you mentioned, the wheels completely came off the cart. Thank God but they Jack had White that was, lead. Jack White was in before that. Right. And they had already they had already gone out, started going out the run before Zion got the foul and went to the bench. So a couple of Zach White... Uh, 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 a couple of white missed threes, all right? Uh, ill-advised threes. And of course, one which was a great look, of course, didn't go in, but it didn't help. Air ball that, was, that I think was partially blocked from the other corner, all right? Um, but he was, he's, he doesn't belong on the court. Sorry. He does not belong on this court in this game. And it choked. And the lead was immediately vanquished. Um, and I thought that, uh, I'm not even going to say he got out coached because the game, when you fail to do things, I'm not going to give Izzo credit for them not running something for Zion and the ball not being in Zion's hands for him to make the decision down the stretch. I don't, I don't give the other coach credit for that. I fault the coach who didn't get the ball to his guy because 
there's no way. And, and down the stretch, you saw how many sloppy passes they 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 were they tried to force the ones and they and they all made it. Jones made a bad pass. All right. Uh his wingman made a bad pass. A sloppy pass, lazy passes, you know, poorly coached passes. All right. Seventeen yeah. turnovers, Al. You can't yeah, I, survive I, that in the in the tournament against a team like Michigan State. You can't. You, you gotta get him the ball where if, if you're struggling to get him the ball, then bring him out, give it to him. Bring him out, give it to him on top, and let him operate from there. Because he's shown he can operate from there. He's shown he has the skills to get himself into the high post, and then everybody else plays off. Even if he gets into the high post off the dribble, he's still shown the ability to create with the reverse pivot, the drop step, and then if not a move to the glass or a short jump shot, the ability to kick. Because when he gets down there, double team's coming. It's coming. It always does. He's not going up by himself. And he's shown the ability to find the open mat for a wide open shot, whether it's a two, whether it's a three, whatever the case may be. But instead, they did not put him in a position to get him the ball. I blame the coach for that. I blame the coach for that. It's hard not to. Plain and simple. When you've got someone of that caliber, of that talent, and because of that size and athleticism, is so difficult to deal with. Barrett's difficult to deal with because he's got a skill set and he has got this kind of hardness-esque style to him where he's slippery. He, Even though you know he wants to go left, he seems to get left because he does it so methodically. And then, boom, he's gone. Uh, it's just, you know, I got to push him right, but boom, we went left again. How'd he do that? It's, it's almost like he does it much faster than you think he can do it or he's doing it so slyly that you don't think he's doing it. But he finds a way to get there. Similar to Hart. Zion, all right, it takes two. It takes two. You're going to double. And you double him, he's going to find somebody. And I, I just think, uh, you know, you got, you got the stud. You know, I'm going down with the big guy. I'm going down with the ball in the big guy's hands. And if the ball's, if he's, if he's not going to get the shot, take the shot, I want him the one to be the one to decide that he's not going to take the shot because he finds somebody free thinks what is a better shot. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. That is the lasting lingering disappointment from this game. There were a ton of other different variables that went into the loss. Obviously the 17 turnovers, the 13 Oh run that Michigan state was able to go on at the end of the first half and, and tilt the tables there going into halftime, the lack of someone else being the guy Javin Delorier, obviously playing a great game down low offensively, double, double, coming out of nowhere in a sense, his counterpart in Bolden, zero points. Trey is held to four. Cam Reddish only has eight. Nobody else scores. Goldwire doesn't play in the entire game. Rafter is screaming that, that the guys look tired, and in the second half, he's sticking with the same lineup. It looks like they're not getting up and down the court. Well, in a defensive game, one of your best defenders doesn't even get in. I don't, I don't, I don't understand know the why Goldwire wasn't in the game to give 
whomever, Just a break. Jones or whomever, a blow on Winston. Exactly. For Bowler's two minutes. Your second best defender in terms of guarding Winston. Um, and he never got a shot to take. He never, you know, I was, look, I, I, I thought, I thought, you know, Jones was, I thought Jones was gassed. As he should be. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's killing himself on every play, diving on the ground, but eventually you just need a quick blow. And sometimes for whatever reason, somebody comes off the bench, they find themselves in an important play, whether knocking it off somebody's leg out of bounds, knocking down a shot, something to give the team just a brief moment of momentum from the bench. Maybe I don't think they pro, got that. Maybe a better pro, but not as good a Duke player as his, as his brother. I, I think he would benefit from another year, but again, I mean, get the money, man, when he not as good a, not as good a Duke, not as good a Duke basketball player as his brother. I thought his defense was there offensively. It was it was not the same. Tyus was big, better offensively. Big game, big game in the Sweet Sixteen. Finally knocked out a bunch of threes. Right, and hats off to him for that. He got hot at the perfect time, right. but that wasn't a consistent thing. You you didn't right. expect that every game. You're still you're still going to make him beat you. The thing that's disappointing after tonight is you might be able to accept the loss a little bit more if you said, "Well, we got the ball to Zion at the end. He missed it." Or we got him at the end, they stole it. Or he had it at the end, he didn't. He wasn't part of any of the plays. It was to the point at the end where you had to hope R.J. Barrett misses a free throw and maybe he can get the rebound for that to be the way he impacts the game. That's the only thing that's a shame is there's not a play where you can say, like in baseball, when your best pitcher's out there and he throws a fastball down the middle at 99 and somebody hits it out, you at least go, well... You got our best, you beat our best. This is a little empty in that regard just because, for whatever reason, he wasn't the center of attention. And it's not like he was getting triple teamed and they ended up throwing it out for a wide open three or anything. Michigan State was playing their defense. I'm sure they would have doubled him and made it a, a point to have him pass it to someone. The unfortunate part is we didn't get to see that. That's, that's what's disappointing to me. And, and this is from a player from watching Duke, J.J. Redick is, is really the first player I absolutely fell in love with. Somebody that could have had a Zion cam before Zion. Like, you would watch Duke play and just keep your eye on him running around the floor trying to get open for a three-pointer, and we had the benefit of watching him for four years. This was a player that you could spend the game watching, and he would do things that would just... You'd laugh. You'd laugh out loud at some of the preposterous things he was able to do both on offense and on defense in 2019 being able to say, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I mean, seeing him in person split the Virginia defense on a four-on-one and somehow throwing down a dunk and getting fouled, you just don't see this from people. And it's somebody that wants to do that every single night he says it, he lives it, it was a joy. And for it to end, not even in the final four, with the team that was supposedly built around to have the success with, like I said, we got to the point in this tournament where it was he had to go into takeover mode to win games, which I'm perfectly fine with. 
it was just something I didn't expect would have to happen just based on some of the things we saw in the regular season. It, it was surprising that today as well, the first time the Duke lineup was injury-free, at least as far as we know, because Goldwire didn't play and a couple other guys, but everybody was on the floor. Everybody was back. Jack was back. Cam played after sitting out the Sweet 16. There was no, well, we, we had to switch our game plan around because we didn't have X or Y. This was the team, and, and it hurts to not have an opportunity to get a couple more games under your belt, I guess you could say, but in the tournament, sometimes you have to be the team that overcomes that. That's what Michigan State did. They've had injuries. They have guys not playing. They didn't look it. They were ready to go. So well, they were hats off to early. them. They were in trouble early. I, I, thought, I thought there was a good chance that game was over because uh, I thought it took too long to call the timeout. And I thought Duke was ready to extend that lead. Um, and they had a couple more chances. And then lo and behold, boom, boom, boom. Uh, it was right back to a uh, to an even game. And you know, then you had the second half, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. And, uh, and look, uh, another great game in terms of the competitiveness of it. Was it, you know, a four-star game in terms of the skill set, in terms of the way it was played? No. Absolutely not. Uh, was there a lot of great shot making? Not really. Not, not a ton of great shot making. Uh, it was a hotly competitive game, which is what we want to see. And we saw a bunch of them. We saw a bunch of them today with Auburn, Kentucky. Uh, you know, and, and then this one following. We saw you know, yesterday, uh, despite the fact that Gonzaga, I, I thought, really gagged. Game was very competitive the whole way. Uh, but then another instant classic in the nightcap between Tennessee and, and uh, or excuse me, between uh, Virginia and Purdue, where Purdue was dead in the water. Done. Stick a fork at him. Over. History. This game is over. You know, down three at the line, five and a half seconds to go. And you know, all, a, a, just series of events had to take place that were so unlikely, but they did. And that's what we watch this tournament for. And a perfect example of what goes around comes around. You know, two nights earlier, Tennessee looks like they've got this game in the bag after being down 20-plus points to a Red Hot Purdue team. My man, Admiral Schofield, brings it back. Best name in the tournament. If I was a Tennessee fan, every time he scored, I would stand up and salute. That's what they should do. Let him back take the lead back and forth shootout with the Purdue kid who can't miss as the game of his life. Schofield knocking him down on the other end from three, going down low in the post, knocking down buckets, making passes to teammates. And there they are up to Purdue races the length of the court. Their star guard goes up Williams with a clean block. I thought the ball went off. Edwards' foot. Replay looked like one up his foot. We don't even get a replay. We don't even get any angles. They don't spend any time on it. Check the clock and let's go. Boom. Inbound the corner. Edwards goes up. Tennessee defender. Nicks him on the way down because he closes out in desperation. Unfortunately, instead of control and catches him a little bit, not knocking him down, not knocking him in the first row, but the un fathomable thing is that he was put at the line on that play to win the game. 
And the only thing that got those officials off the hook was that he didn't win the game. And I don't want to hear from you, oh, well, it's it's foul, it's foul, it's foul, it's foul, it's foul, it's foul. That's not always a foul to me. It's hard to call there, too. I'm not even calling that during regulation. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. That was a tough one for me. I'm assuming I call that. That that ball is off. It's clean. He's barely grazed. Contact didn't affect the shot, period. End of story. Tennessee wins. Purdue ties it, survives in overtime. Two nights later, the ball goes, the ball bounces the other way. Well, and, that's, and if you're Purdue. That, that's what's so amazing about this tournament is the fact that one night of it, you're the benefactor, and the next night, it is to your detriment. That is how and it's it been. works that way so often. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. If you're Purdue, you're in a similar predicament to how Duke feels. Carson Edwards is your guy carrying you to that overtime. 42 points. Can't miss. Four and a half or whatever seconds left in the game. The decision, and I don't know what the play call was. I didn't see Painter's board. But having him run down the sideline, maybe not the best of ideas. And then he gets rid of the ball, and it goes out of bounds. So, again, that's a game where at the end of it, in a heartbreaking loss, you unfortunately don't get the chance to say, well, we had it in Carson's hands. He just just missed it. Here is what I think happened. I think... According to what they said, they expected Virginia to foul. Right. They did. The same way they fouled. Right. Now, he's tearing across half court with the ball. They run a screen for the kid from the other night to catch and shoot on the left wing. He's going full bore with the ball. He makes not a very accurate pass. The kid's on the dead run trying to rub defenders off the the screen. So he's got it. On the dead run, catch, turn, and shoot. It was not a well-delivered pass, clearly. And he couldn't hang on, let alone turn and shoot. My point was, I really think that even if Virginia wanted to foul, I think Virginia shied away from fouling because he he blew right by the freshman. Right. The freshman could have fouled him right there. That's what I mean. When he got and, past and, him, I mean, and he, that's it. And he Go didn't. for it. And he didn't. And I think just putting myself in, in the heads of the, Duke, the Virginia players and their coach, I think maybe they thought you know, he's on the dead run. He could launch at any time. I get caught with my hand in the cookie jar. Three free throws. They gave him to him the other night. So they let him go. And I look, you got to go. You got to go. Once you get by him, you got to go. You keep going. You keep going and you take the shot. I don't care if you pull up from 35. Yeah, right. That's what I said. Shoot it from inside the logo. Just keep At going. least you take Just the shot. 
Just keep going. And as soon as they go to touch your launch, I'll live with that. I will absolutely live with that. And you know, they never got a shot. Now, regardless, chances are slim. Right. But stranger things have happened, especially in this tournament. And quite frankly, they just did. Okay. A couple of possessions ago when you filed with 5.9 at the end of regulation and all the things that could have gone wrong for you did go wrong and over time at the bottom. So, uh, you know, the stranger than truth stuff happens all the time in this game and in this tournament at the end of games, it's remarkable. And as I said, Purdue, perfect example, one night, the benefactor, the next night, Cinderella turns into, you know, her, the coach turns into a pumpkin. It, it, it's just, uh, that's what this tournament does to you. It wears you out. It takes your emotions and just shows absolutely no regard for them. You are at the top of the mountain one night, two nights later, you are in the depth of despair. And you saw that in Matt Painter's face in his post-game press conference at the table. Those are always awful to have to watch. But as you said, that's, that's exactly what this tournament does. From heroes to heartbreaks in, in less than 48 the hours. The Purdue kid Klein couldn't even pick his hat. He no. couldn't pick his head up. No. He couldn't even look up. It, he it's, knew he missed that free throw. He knew he missed that free throw. Yeah, and you see it he on both sides. He knew he missed sides. that free throw. He knew he missed that free throw. And if that free throw goes in, it's a four-point lead. And that's an all-probability of the game. You see the one-year guys obviously heartbroken, but they're going to the league. They're getting that money. That has to be in the back of their brains just slightly. It's these guys that are four-year starters, five-year seniors in grad school when their careers are over, and it's probably not going to be a trip to the NBA. It might be it for basketball altogether. Those are the, those are the stories that hurt. And that's why this tournament is so great. That's what makes this tournament so great because you have, unlike the final four in college football, which is great, and I'm so glad they finally did it. Season has much more meaning because there's only a dozen games and they're all vitally important to get to that final four. But it's not about playing one more game in college football, the way it is in college, in college basketball, so many of these players will never play again. So, so many of these players are fighting to play just one more game. They're fighting to keep playing because they love to play. They have a passion for the game, a joy for the game. And that's to me is what always separated this tournament from every other sporting event in my life that I follow is that this tournament is all about players playing as hard as they can just to keep playing one more game. It's just that next one. It's not five more. It's not three more. It's not seven more. It's just one more. Just let me keep playing one more game. 
and then when I'm at that one, I just want one more. And that's why you see the tears. That's why you see the emotion. That's why you see the distraught players, coaches, assistants, etc. And that's what makes it, to me, the greatest sporting, I guess I'll call it an event, even though an event is usually not over time like this is. Uh, greatest sport extravaganza. To me, this tournament is, and baseball is my favorite sport, but to me, this tournament is the end-all, be-all for me in terms of the athletic competitiveness of the players, the desire of the players, the effort of the players, the emotion of the players. I believe it's uh, without comparison. I don't think there is anything uh, that can match it. I think fans, too, sometimes forget just how hard it is to win the tournament. (laughs) I mean, yeah, there's some great basketball teams. You assume they're going to do well. But you know, and and people that watch college basketball know this as well. You can have a bad night. You have to find a way to not have a bad night for six games over three-plus weeks. You can't. Because if you do, there's not, well, we'll get them tomorrow. Double elimination, right? No, this is it. This is it. Remember, a perfect perfect companion to that is it's not even about winning the tournament anymore for most of these teams. Even Even the terrific programs. It's about getting to the Final Four. It's not even about winning it anymore. It's getting to, it's winning those four games to get to the Final Four. That's really what has become the magical trip is to get to what Al McGuire dubbed the big dance. When I was in college a hundred years ago at Syracuse, Jim Beheim's first, second, third, and fourth years of now 40 plus, the great Al McGuire who won it my freshman year and sat on the bench and cried as the time wound down in his last coaching job, his last, the last game, the last game he ever coached. And then he went into the booth and that's really when college basketball took off on NBC with Al McGuire and Dick Enberg and Billy Packer, because we worshiped him literally like a God. We hung on every term, every expression, a white knuckler, an aircraft carrier. You know, last, before two minutes, you holler at your players, last two minutes, you hug your players. You know, go, go, around, go, around the, go around the court pregame, find the dead spots. That's where you run your traps. Only dry spot in a uniform is your socks. That's where you rub your hands. To, to dry your hands when, when, when you go to the foul line. Step off the foul line when you make it, stay on, when you miss it, stay on the line when you make it. You know, he's not a shooter, he's a scorer. Uh, just the, the white knuckle. Uh, 
he is the one who dubbed the final four as the big dance. The tournament itself over time evolved to become the big dance. But the big dance was originally, in this case, going to the Minneapolis this year. And that really is the goal. The goal is to make that magical mystery tour uh, to win those four games, or sometimes, in some cases, five games, to get to the Final Four. For teams like Duke, when you have the recruiting class like this, it's winning or bust. But the monkey is firmly off of Tony Bennett's back because he has made his first Final Four. He doesn't have to win it now. Because he made it. He climbed the mountain. Now can you plant the flag? I had I them think, doing it. I think he's in the best spot, best place to do it because uh, he dodged the bullet. He dodged the biggest bullet and survived. Duke could dodge as big a bullet with Dawkins, but they have not survived. Before we close, take off your Duke paraphernalia for just one question. Very hard, especially tonight, especially now. Folks, we are having this discussion on the second day of the Elite Eight, fresh off the Duke loss to Michigan State. So my partner, the new version, not the old version, okay? New report. Not the old report. The new report. Can you separate yourself for a heartbeat and tell me if you think this has been a really good tournament? I would say really good with an exclamation point on top of it. This Elite Eight was unbelievable. For the games to be decided by one possession for the two nights, it's, it's been incredible. It's been incredible. Early on, we didn't really have those Cinderella stories. We had a lot of chalk entering the Sweet 16, which that's not the worst thing in the world. But we didn't have blowouts. We had games that you had to turn into in the Elite Eight every night they were on to see who was going to get to the Final Four. And a lot of people were saying on Twitter and through stories and on TV, it's hard to remember an Elite Eight that overall was that competitive and that nail-biting and that down to the wire where one bounce goes one way and we're looking at different teams hitting that sticker on that board saying that they went to the Final Four. Overall, that's all you can ask for for this tournament. Incredibly exciting games. Your heart's beating for these teams that you don't have any rooting interest in because you either have money on them or you have them in your bracket or you just love basketball. I, I think the Elite Eight went above and beyond this year. I hope the Final Four can follow suit. As do I. Uh, th these were terrific games. They were competitive. They were compelling. The emotions you know, just swung back and forth. The pendulum uh, never stopped moving and never stopped swinging uh, uh, on each side. And it was classic theater, heartbreak, joy, great shots, missed shots, uh, literally one team 
going from as big a disappointment, I would say, as you can have in last year with Virginia, you know, to finally grabbing the coach, uh, getting the holy ground, getting to the final four, because again, it's all about getting there when you've never been there before. It really is what it's all about. It's about getting there when you, when you had good program, a good program and good teams and been successful in the tournament, but have not made it to the final four. You can't win it till you get there. Uh, it's very hard to win. It, it's just about as hard as it is to get there. So now we'll see what happens for Tony Bennett and we'll see what happens for Bruce for Pearl. And we'll see what happens to the Red Raiders. My God, my God goodness holy cow as their coach said texas tech is going to the final four holy cow with tom Izzo, who makes yet another trip which you know as i think is incredibly overrated coach but that's for another day maybe next week who knows as we head for the final four right my friend al it's always a pleasure thanks for letting Folks, me get that loss off my chest we that's hope it you for enjoyed this week of basketball as much as we did final four coming up next saturday and monday night baseball in full swing more tournament to come for john tiny one i am al renato aka from white plains have a great week everybody We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. 